What's going on? It's Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. Put your seatbelt on because it's time for yet another self-improvement sit-down. If you haven't noticed yet, just about every other Sunday, I interview someone who is doing some really cool stuff and has an inspiring message to share. Well, today's guest is no different, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. If you prefer the two-minute, bite-sized personal development tips that I normally share on the podcast, then fear not, because that will continue as normal tomorrow. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Today's guest is a special one, and stick around all the way until the end, because I have something I want you to consider. All right, let's do it. Body confidence and self-acceptance pioneer, the one and only Miss Bex Bedford. And we are live with self-improvement sit-down number six. Today's guest is Rebecca Bex Bedford, and she is really unique in the experiences she's had in her life and how open she is to sharing about them. Bex is an SSBBW, a supersized, big, beautiful woman who's undergone an unbelievable journey overcoming insecurities and gaining self-acceptance. Her transformation is inspiring and loaded with life lessons that apply to everyone, and I can't wait to tap into it. Of course, I'm not the only one who thinks this. She has a popular YouTube channel, a number of podcasts, and has been able to monetize her influence as an entrepreneur. But we'll get to that in a bit. Bex, first, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited. Yeah, well, I I hope that I'm not overselling. I mean, I know that I'm familiarizing myself with your work, um, but I really do find your message so interesting because there is a crazy transformation that's come about in your life. Um, Before we get into kind of where you are at now and, and that transformation, the end of it, would you mind providing some context and reflecting on that time in your life when you lived in constant embarrassment and disgust about your weight. I mean, there's there's a whole story behind this that I want to get to and, and maybe even talk a little bit about the moment that it all started and how it affected you for so long. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I've been overweight my entire life, but um, the the pinnacle that kind of start me in that path of like self-loathing and, um, you know, d- disgust was back when I was around 18 years old. Uh, I went out to dinner with my sister. And, you know, when you're 18, you're still kind of learning who you are and um, trying to get a sense of self and, you know, having that confidence. And I I went out um, to dinner with my sister and right by us was this table full of college guys. And for good 45 minutes, I just heard them make fun of me the entire time. So it's just like constant fat jokes and, and everything. And it was absolutely horrifying and embarrassing. And then when I stood up and went to go pay the bill, I mean, it, they just, the whole table just exploded because then they were able to see my entire body. Um, and that's just devastating. I mean, that's, that's just devastating, you know? It, it really was. Um, you know, I don't think people understand the effect that they can have on another person's life. I don't yeah. blame these guys for what happened afterwards, but they were definitely very in the forefront of my mind when I thought about how the world viewed me right. and what my worth was because I, I, I placed that on other people. So when um, I got up and they, you know, started pounding the table and laughing and like slapping each other and like, it was just, um, yeah, it was absolutely horrifying. And, 
Um, after that, I slowly started to withdraw from everybody in my life. So I stopped going out with friends. I stopped going over to see my family. You know, um, it took a, a good eight to nine years before I even stepped foot in a restaurant again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, why is that? I mean, why did, why did you kind of reclude so much? Because I felt that if I felt that I was like a subhuman, like I was disgusting, like for me to be in the world and enforce my, my, the people to look at me was like, um, was a bad thing. Like I was forcing my ugliness and on other people and wow. I didn't want to do that. And then also it was, I mean, I didn't want to go through that experience again, obviously. Yeah, so, um, so I just started to, you know, um, withdraw from the world until, um, you know, I was, I was being pretty successful in my job. They offered me a third position. I took it so that I could work alone and I was in a big building all by myself for my entire shift. And, um, I bought a house so that I can withdraw even more at the age of 21. And wow. so from the age of 21 to 28, I was a, a hermit. Hmm. Um, I did not go anywhere. I did not see friends. I did not see family. I didn't go, you know, grocery shopping. I didn't go to the movies. I did nothing, but I go to my search of job and then come home. And that was it. Um, yeah. I suffered from severe panic attacks. I mean, just doing simple things like getting gas, um, you know, I'll get to the gas moment in, in a second, but like, like right. going to renew your driver's license or your, you know, the registration on your plates, like that to me, like I had a full blown breakdown in the parking lot. Yeah. I mean, especially because it just kind of, it starts digging itself so deep because it just, one thing gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's blown up in your head as wow, You know, you identify as this and it's just like the world against you and you're, it's just embarrassing. That's, that's so tough. It really is. It was just like, I, I just felt like this horrible monster that wow. I just didn't want anybody to see. I didn't want anybody to be forced to be around me and to see me because I thought that to be over weight and to be fat was, um, was just, I was just subhuman. Like I, I was mm -hmm. just this gross, hideous thing. I couldn't be successful. I couldn't, um, date. I, I couldn't be around friends or family. I mean, I, I was really good at my job. I was fantastically good at my job, but I wouldn't go for like, you know, supervisor positions because I would have to work during the day where there would be people. I didn't advocate for myself for raises and, and such. I mean, I was at yeah. that job for 10 years because I thought that I was just, they just wouldn't give it to me because I was fat. Like I just wow. wasn't even worthy of a race, even though I rocked at my job, but because I was fat. So I That's had so this interesting. It, it sounds like you almost this fear kind of just manifested in your life and convinced you in other areas of your life. Like, Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. And you started believing it because your fear was so deeply rooted. Absolutely. And, wow. and during those years, I was so, the fear was everything like right. the fear went into every single part of my life, going to get the mail, taking the garbage out, being seen by my neighbors, um, mm. 
being seen in a, in a store, anything that normal, a lot of normal people don't have to deal with. Like that fear literally took over and that's all I lived with. And the only time I felt safe and okay was when I was alone and away wow. from people. Right. Um, you know, and during this time I developed a, a severe food addiction, um, which just, yeah. would you, you mind know, talking about that? Cause when I heard the details of that, that like really stood out to me as just a strong example of what you were going through. Right. Well, with the food, with me shutting myself away, thinking that I was just this like gross subhuman person. Um, the only thing that made me feel better was to eat food, um, which in turn made me fatter, which in turn made me feel, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. even worse about myself. So it was this constant cycle, um, of negativity. And with the food addiction, it wasn't so much as binging a whole a whole bunch of foods. It was everything that came with, with getting food. It was, um, it was the ritual of it. It was because I didn't go grocery shopping. Right. So it was, Mm -hmm. and this was before the days of like curbside pickup or grocery delivery. So I would eat fast food all the time. So I would be, you know, I knew who was working what shifts. I knew what stores operated what hours. Like, you know, if I went to this place on one day, I definitely wouldn't go there till four days after. So they didn't see me too often, you know, like, you know, pizza delivery. Like I had it down to a science and it was something that literally took over my, and all of my free time, um, was thinking about how and when and where to get food. And, you know, like an obsession. It was an absolute exception. It's, it is what filled my life. Um, wow. I would hate myself for eating, but I would be so focused on food and getting it that uh, that would cause me to gain more weight. Um, I, I, I mean, it was it was everything. I, there would be days where I wouldn't eat, which sounds crazy if you have a food addiction. But if mm-hmm. you understand the the ritual part of the addiction was if everything didn't fit just right, I couldn't eat. Yeah. So that's crazy. That's just so crazy to think about because yeah, it just goes against everything that I kind of believed about, you know, food addiction or someone that was experiencing food addiction. That kind of just opens my eyes to some of the other misconceptions that I might have about your situation. You know, I feel like there are a lot of people that that kind of make assumptions based on what they think is the right way to behave or the right way to think. And, and that's not, that's something that you come across all the time. You know, I'm sure that you're, you're dealing with trolls and people who disagree with you and, you yes. know, people not being comfortable asking about your weight and just can't, you know, like there's just this kind of this, uh, this fine line that's hard for a lot of people to play. So I, I guess I have one question. Um, and this is, I guess is kind of on a personal note, but do most people who are overweight, are they, are they aware of it? And do they, are they actively trying to change the condition or have they, you know, in generally are people accepting of their bodies and their self? I'm going to say in general, most overweight people are not accepting of their bodies and themselves. Mm-hmm. I think this new movement of quote unquote body positivity, um, and fat activism is relatively new. I mean, there, there has been fat actives of activism over the decades, but I think right. with the rise of social media, it's become a, a bigger thing. It's more in the forefront. But I think for the, for the most part, most people who are overweight do not like the way that they look. They do not like their bodies. They're constantly stuck in like this negative loophole as most people are. And um, I, I like, like I said, I think it's a, it's a relatively new thing to 
to look at yourself and, and be okay with who you are. But, you know, I think it's a little bit more complicated. It's not so black and white as all of that. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, again, going into kind of the misconceptions that people have, but it, it sounds like then people might be warranted in having a stigma about talking about weight because some people are trying to reject it or, you know, they, they don't really own it within themselves that, it, you know, I, I mean, is there a valid reason behind the stigma about bringing up weight? Do you think? When you say bringing up weight, do you mean like, is there, um, a valid reason for somebody to fat shame somebody or question no, their no, no, health no. or, or what do you no, mean? As in, no, I guess an example is just kind of trying to be really careful about what you say because you don't want to reference or kind of suggest anything that might offend the other person because they're overweight, you know, like just, well, just being really see, careful about not offending anyone. <laughs> the way I look at it, I, I look at this differently. So if what I'm going to say does not stand for all overweight people. What I see, you know, if you're talking like it took me a long time to get to this place. So when somebody comes up to me and says, you're fat, I, I, it doesn't trigger me. I'm not offended. It doesn't hurt my feelings uh, because I am fat. We have turned fat into this negative word with all mm. of this uh, stigma attached to it. So right. when people say fat, that means that you're, like I said before, you're subhuman, you're gross, you're lazy, you know, you don't care about yourself. There's all these negative connotations that come with the word fat. And for me, fat is literally just a descriptor word. People have fat on their bodies. Some people have more fat than others. That if you're have a lot more fat than other people, then guess what? You're fat. That's not offensive. That is truth. That's why you are so amazing because because you were able to do that. You're able to come through the experience of, look, this is me, this is my body, this is my understanding of it and kind of silence some of the other people that disagree with you and are trying to challenge you and make you feel worse. You know, just whether it's society or individuals who are trying to fat shame, I think that's just so impressive how you have that self-awareness to be like, look, this is me and this is the way that people are using it. This is the way that I use it. Right. And, and that's just so, I mean, it's just beautiful. It really is beautiful. Thank you, Thank you so much. It's, it's definitely be, been a journey, you know, Absolutely. Um, I, I get a lot of hate. Like you mentioned before I do, I get a lot of trolls. I get a lot of people who go to my Instagram, who, you know, say that I'm glorifying obesity, that I'm unhealthy, that I'm a bad example for children. Like I, I'm all these different things. And if anybody were to actually look at my Instagram or my web pages or anything, I never make a comment about health other mm. than health is a very personal thing. And what is healthy for somebody may not be healthy for another person. That's between a person and their doctor. Sure. And another thing that I, I say often is that weight or health is not indicative of being treated like a human being with common decency and respect. So right. no matter what your health status is, does not mean that you should not be allowed to live your life or live in the world or be treated with common decency and respect. So th that's something that I, why, one of the big reasons why I do what I do and I live out loud the way that I do, despite being overweight, is to show people that you don't have to wait to get to whatever it is that in your mind is good for you. You can love who you are today and still work on yourself. Absolutely. To get to what your goals are. I, I, and I love that because... Yeah, sure. Your example applies to people being overweight or un, un, unhappy about their weight, but it also applies to anyone who really has an observable condition that people are making prejudgments on. It doesn't have to be weight. It can also be 
homelessness. It can be disability. It can be, you know, there are so many different things that people just assume that you're a certain way because they observe that. And it's, it's just so dangerous as a culture. And I love that. Sure. You're leading the effort in kind of the, the body positivity side of it, but that has applications so far beyond it that, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring this message on here because there's so many people that are dealing with issues that are related, but not necessarily the same that can understand your approach to your condition or yourself and how they can maybe apply it to themselves or loved ones in their life. Exactly. And that's why I I talk about specifically self-acceptance and self-love is for that very reason. I just use my size and my struggle and my past as is exactly what you said, as just the way to show people that you can get there despite whatever it is that you're going through in your life, you know, family problems, work, career, you know, your goals, um, working on that path of self-acceptance is something that you can do today and, um, you don't have to wait. So for many, many years, I thought, like I said before, I couldn't go for, um, you know, my dream job. I couldn't date. I couldn't go out and travel and do all these things because I was overweight. And Mm -hmm. when I got to that place of, accepting who I was at that moment, like the entire world opened up to me and it was absolutely amazing. And I gave myself permission to start living my life as a, you know, as a human again. And, um, you can't, when you live in the darkness for so long, it's so drastic to start living out in the world in such a big way. Right. So what, so what clicked for you? Because there was this kind of moment where it was a before and after. So what clicked when you decided, um, okay, it's time to love myself? Uh, well, it started when um, I tried to get weight loss surgery. <laughs> okay. um, what triggered me to try to get weight loss surgery was I was driving down the road, road one day and I was almost out of gas. And every gas station that I went to had people in it. And I was so scared to have anybody see me that I I literally almost just piddled on the side of the road. My car almost died because I couldn't bring myself to go to a gas station where there would be people. And I realized, like, I can't live this way. This is not living. Hmm. Um, So I thought that the only way that I could live a life was if I lost weight. So I went to go get weight loss surgery and I had been turned down in the past before and they were going to turn me down again. But they said, because I had nothing wrong with me other than just my size. Right. So I didn't have high blood pressure or diabetes. So they're like, look, if you go see your doctor for six months, you go to therapy for six months, you know, bring us their findings and we will consider you for weight loss surgery. So I was like, done. So, um, I went into therapy and it was very obvious, very early on within the first one to two sessions of, of getting into therapy was that I was not a candidate for weight loss surgery. Um, it took me a, a while to say the words, I have a food addiction, Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I had obviously a lot that I had to work through on my past and, and to be able to even just recognize that I was a human being that was, you know, had value and deserving of love, you know? So I had yeah. to go through therapy and I, and I went through therapy for several years. And even after I left therapy, you know, self-love and self-acceptance is an ongoing daily battle that everybody goes through. Um, I like to say it's not linear, um, because there are going to be days that you, you know, you love who you are, but there are going to be days that really suck and you struggle. Sure. 
So I, it, it took me a long time. I learned some tools in therapy. Um, that yeah, like what? Me. Well, learning to to break negative thought patterns was probably the, the, the very first thing that she tried to teach me in therapy. Um, it didn't take. <laughs> it didn't well, take it did work. now. It, it, it did now. It took me a while. It just while. takes time. It really does. It takes time. And it took, it even took me after I was done seeing her for it to really sink in. But one mm -hmm. thing that she said to me that really kind of clicked in my brain and allowed me to start putting the toe in the water in the world. What, what she said was, is other people's thoughts are none of your business. Hmm. And I, and I had to think about that. It's like, what do you mean other people's thoughts are none of my business? People tell me what they think all the time. But what she was saying is it, it's what other people think and what they say and what they do. That's their stuff. Sure. That's stuff they have to deal with. It's up to me on whether or not I'm going to take on that ideology. If I'm going to believe what it is that they're saying to me, if I'm going to put that on my own mantle and believe it. And when that clicked in my head, I was like, whoa. Yeah. So somebody cannot like me and that's okay. You know, it's yeah, up to it's me. Just, it sounds like perspective. It sounds like, you know, someone comes from one place with their experience and their ideal or view on the world that they then take and apply it to you. And then mm -hmm. it's almost like refusing to let that infiltrate your mind. Be like, okay, yes, you are different with your own experience and coming from your own place. And it's like, it's just, it is a matter of perspective, isn't it? I mean, I mean, kind of built into perspective is, you know, relativity in comparison. Because right, you're absolutely right. It is perspective, okay. but on the other hand, it's also knowing who you are. So, okay. one of the like she told me this for many years and it didn't click. When it started to click is when I when I was doing my own self-inventory. So, um when I you know, went through years of meditation and working through my stuff, I was getting to a place to looking at who I was and, and then sitting down and being very real with myself and saying, okay, these things are working for me and these things aren't working for me. Right. What am I going to do about that? So there are consequences to both things, right? So I can make the effort to change the things that aren't working for me um, or I can choose to live with the things that aren't working for me and deal with the consequences. And okay. once, once I looked at it that way and saw that I was completely in control of my life hmm. and a lot of people Powerful. don't look at that, right? A lot of people don't see that. They think a lot of outside influences have control of our lives and that's not true. We very much are 100% in control of our life and the consequences of the decisions that we choose. So you can choose, like, um, I, I could bring up smoking. So you can smoke cigarettes, right? And you can make that decision on whether or not, you know, I know the health risks involved in smoking. These could cause a lot of different things with my body, but I'm going to accept the consequences of that. And I'm going to continue to smoke. You've made that decision, right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 and, but you're going to live with the, the consequences of that decision, whatever that may be. So uh, I kind of yeah. look at my life that way, like, okay, so if that's the case that I'm a hundred percent in control of what my life is, then I can stop, you know, take a step back and look at myself from uh, the view of self-acceptance and self-love. When I know that I'm a hundred percent in control of who I am, 
the decisions that I make, I know that I love that person, you know, that all the decisions that I make, they're totally within my control. Then it is way easier when somebody comes at me with whatever perspective that they may have that, you know, you know, I've been called a fat pig. I've been called a lot of different things. When they come at me with those kind of thoughts and, and those opinions about me, I can, I now know myself so well. And I know that I'm so in control of who I am as a person and the decisions that I make and how I feel about myself and the way I think about myself that they can literally say those things to me now. And it doesn't phase me. It doesn't bother me because I know who I am. And I'm so, so glad. I'm so glad you brought this up because today's tip, I mean, this is going to air in a couple of weeks, but today's <laughs> tip, I talked about outcomes, actions, and choices and how outcomes are what you're looking for. Actions are the things that end up creating the outcomes and choices dictate your actions. And that's exactly what you're talking about is yes. in your decision, you are making a choice to see something a certain way, which eventually pushes to the outcome that you want out of that situation. So it's just like so pertinent in my mind because that's what I shared about today. So it's so perfect that you, <laughs> you decided to get there. It's just awesome. I love when that happens. <laughs> um, but, but you're talking about, you're, and, and the thing is too, about the tip was it specifically, at least in my mind was about success and kind of externally motivating things in terms of like, Oh, I want to create this outcome outside of myself, but you've brought in a different angle where it's really an internal choice and the, mm -hmm. an internal outcome that doesn't affect anyone else, but yourself. So you took like a totally 180 on it, but the exact same concept applies, which I love. So I'm super stoked you, you uh, mentioned that. <laughs> Absolutely. You're 100% cool. correct. Yeah. All right. But so talk more because you keep saying the word self-acceptance. And I think we all have our own understanding of what that means. But would you mind kind of explaining for yourself what that has come to mean? Well, yeah, it's kind of like what I just said before. When I when I was talking about getting real with who you are and accepting um, the consequences of your mm -hmm. decisions. Uh, so for me when I was able to do that self inventory and go ahead and, and choose to make the decision to change the things that weren't working for me or to leave it as is, I then was able to accept who I was in, in total. For me, it was okay. I'm taking responsibility for myself completely. Okay. So it's like control. So like self-acceptance, it really, means that you are in control of what's happening to you or, yeah. or the way that you produce things. Okay. The way that you think about yourself. So when I, when I was able to look at myself and, you know, there have been times where I have lost a lot of weight. Um, there have been times where I've gained weight. Um, but when I look at myself in the mirror and I know that I, I know who I am, I've done that inventory on myself. I could stand and look in the mirror and on those days where I don't like myself or I'm struggling or anything, it, it's, I am able to take a step back and break that negative cycle in my brain that starts up because it will always be there. I mean, it was ingrained for many, many years. So, um, like one thing that I thought for many years when I was a hermit was I hate myself. That was my mantra. Like my daily mantra was I hate myself. Yeah. And Gosh. my uh, therapist at the time thought she could change that with positive affirmations. So we tried it. Mm -hmm. And, um, sure. I had them up on my bathroom mirror. I had them all around my house. And one day I came home, 
I saw these stupid positive affirmations and I tore them all down and just confetti paper everywhere because mm-hmm. that just like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to read these things. I don't, I, none of this applies to me. I hate myself. I'm like this horrible person. I'm never yeah. going to be of value. So the kind so, of there, it's like a, a walk before you run because you, you were kind of taking many steps forward or, or trying to take too many steps forward and you weren't prepared to, and you just kind of had to address the more fundamental or kind of really internal reason before you could kind of use some of those techniques. You really do. You really do. You really hmm. need to, uh, that's what, um, when a lot of people reach out to me, cause I do, I get a lot of messages saying I'm struggling with who I am and, and you know, uh, I'm loving my body and loving who I am. You know, how do I do that? Um, I, the, the very first thing I say to people is that this is a process. It yeah. does not happen overnight and you have to be willing to put in the work and you have to be willing to look at yourself in a very real and raw way. And we sometimes as humans have a problem doing that. So that's a perfect transition into what I want to talk about next, which is kind of at the root of a lot of this stuff, which is just addiction in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel, I feel like this, this really is just kind of the manifestation or maybe the deliverable of an addiction. So yep. I, and I'm going to keep on asking some tough questions because I think this is just so valuable. This is unbelievable to hear. Um, mm-hmm. But so if, if you could reflect back on the days when you did have a food addiction and, and maybe even if you still currently have one, I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when you think back about when it was really affecting you to its full extent, what do you think now? Like, is it funny to you? Like, do, does it choke you up because it was so hard that you went through it? Kind of like, talk to me. Like, how do you feel when you reflect on it? Well, food addiction never goes away. Okay. Um, you know, when you're when people have go to AA or you know they they struggle with any kind of addiction, you're saddled with that forever. Um, yeah. And it, unlike you know alcohol or drugs, you can't stop eating food. Yeah, true. So I mean, food addiction is always going to be something that I will always have to struggle with, and. Okay. Um, you know, especially in times when I I'm struggling a lot, like personally, which is actually, you know, truthfully is happening for me right now. I've had a really rough summer. Um, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of things, uh, business wise and personally that have been really mm-hmm. stressful for me and being, you know, wanting to go back into that old routine. And for me, and I know addiction may be different for everybody, and I'm not a specialist. I just know my own experience. For sure. me, the addiction was the routine of it. Okay. It was the routine of locking myself away. It was the routine of, you know, go thinking about food all the time. What am I going to eat? How much am I going to eat? Where am I going to get it? You know, the where am I going to sit when I eat it? Mm-hmm. That was another big thing. Um, yeah. I didn't know that sounds crazy to some people, but right. it was it was everything around that. So even now, even when I have times of stress or, you know, um, when I'm just in a negative space, I kind of find myself falling back into those patterns. And the, the most important thing is being aware that I have this problem and stopping mm-hmm. it in its tracks before it gets out of control.
And yeah. the way I that think I- just you even talking about it right now, saying that this summer you've been having issues is that yeah. self-awareness piece of like, look, this is part of my, my past and it's something that you're aware of. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to help you kind of push through it and keep on moving forward because you're just very aware of it going on. Um, exactly. It, and, and that's kind of with, I guess, kind of that answers my question in a way, which was, you know, about addiction, you're reflecting on it is you can't really reflect on it because you're never through it. You can only reflect on things that, you know, like this is in progress rather than finished. And, right. and I guess I misunderstood that with addiction, at least specifically with a sense. So, so I guess, and again, this kind of relates to a question I asked earlier, but how can people then communicate in a way that is effective to not, um, just to kind of abide by someone who has addiction, whether it's food or alcoholism or opioids or whatever it might be, you know, is, is there a certain kind of way that you would prefer people act around you that maybe help you stick to your positive habits or ways that you wish people didn't do like certain things you wish people didn't do in front of you that help you or that would make you slip into a bad habit? You know, like, are you conscious of that or is that, am I overthinking it? For me, for me, for me with my food addiction, I take a hundred percent responsibility for that. Um, I don't think that I can't put it on anybody outside of me um, to do or say something that's going to not make it harder for me and my addiction. Hmm. Um, the fact that I have to eat food every day, (laughs) that's just something I have to deal with. There's nothing anybody in the world can do to help me not, you know, binge on food. The only thing any I require of anybody who's in my life that is close to me is just love me through my highs and my lows. That's, that's all that I need. And if somebody doesn't know or understand that part of me, then, you know, it's not up to them. It's my struggle. It's my own personal struggle. I don't put that on anybody else to behave a certain way in order for me not to have to struggle with my, my addiction. Um, now obviously I'm speaking from a place of food addiction. So, I mean, if you were an alcoholic or a drug addict, obviously not doing alcohol or drugs around people who obviously have a, an addiction would sure, be sure. beneficial for them. But for me in my world, I mean, everything in our culture kind of revolves around food, right? Yeah. So, you know, you got yeah, to date. It's a human got, need. <laughs> right? It's a human need. It's, it's a cultural thing. It's a societal thing. It's totally. like food is a part of a lot of what we do in our, in our, in our world, in our daily um, social gatherings. So um, for me, it's just knowing that I am, like it goes back to what I said before, I'm in control of myself. Nobody okay forces me to do anything. Nobody's outside influence is, is going to cause me to behave or not behave incorrectly with my addiction. Only I can do that. Good. Beautiful. And as, as you were kind of talking about earlier too, it's, you know, you take ownership and you only affiliate with people who respect that because that's what you deserve. Like there, there's no, and it's kind of goes along with you managing trolls or people who disagree with you. Just like, there's no time for it. You know, it's like if you let it affect yeah. you, then it will. But the reality is if you if you have enough confidence in yourself and you understand the reasons why you believe certain things and people don't fit into that mental model, then screw them. You know, like you you have plenty of you have plenty of other people out there who can relate with you and who support you and care about you. You know, and that's kind of what life is about, especially relationships or those people that are willing right. to, like you said, love you in your highs and your lows. 
Right. And, you know, and like I said before, I get a lot of trolls and I get a lot of death threats. I've gotten death threats. I get. Oh, well. Yeah, I get a lot of heat um, from other people. Do you think that's but because you're I, outspoken about it? Or why do you think that yeah, is? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, Instagram is a very big trolly place. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, the trolls that I get in the comments that I get on Instagram are not anybody who has read anything that I've written or watched yeah. a single video that I've made. They just automatically assume that my platform is to tell people that fat is healthy and that I'm, I'm, I'm spreading this kind of agenda to people, which is not the case. And all they see is they see a fat body posted on Instagram. That's it. Living a normal life. And they move way too quickly to draw conclusions. Right. But the thing is, is these trolls hate the fact that fat people dare to take pictures of their bodies and put them up on, on the internet. Like it's this horrible you know, thing. In a way, in a way, I think it's because it threatens them. It, it threatens them because they're insecure about something. That's why they're trying to find hate in others is because they're insecure within themselves. And the fact that if you're, po- you know, your body positivity and, sh- you know, everyone has their own understanding of what body positivity is. If you're proud of your body in the way that it is, and they're insecure about something else, but, they would be even more insecure if they had that as part of their life. That is really a self-conscious driver. I mean, that, I think that's kind of maybe the root of a lot of what people are dealing with is their own insecurities that then they need to project on other people who should be insecure and they don't understand why they're not. Right. I, I 100% agree with that. I really do. I, and wow. I understand that some people, you know, I don't like to, you know, lump everybody in the same group, but some people generally think or genuinely think that, you know, they're doing me a service by pointing out the fact that I'm fat and talking right. about my health. Yeah. Or It comes down to intentions at that point and it's impossible to know. You can only see what they're saying. Exactly. But, you know, yeah. and I make it a, a point to never delete a negative comment. Mm. Nothing. I, I always keep them up. If you go to anything that I've posted, you're bound to, to see some kind of hate on it. Um, and I keep them up for a reason because I do go on and I do these interviews and I do these platforms and I, and I speak about self-acceptance and, and self-love. And I keep that up to show people that I, you know, I follow what I preach. Yeah. That even though people do come at me with the hate and, and, and also to show people that this prejudice is very, very real. This is very something that we deal with every single day. So one is to show that this is not fake. It's very true. And two, to practice what I preach that these things don't affect my world because I have gone and done this work and, and done that self inventory and got to that place of loving myself today. Even though I'm a work in progress, I can still love myself who I am completely today, regardless of how anybody else may see me. That's beautiful. And it, it kind of goes back to something that really stood out to me when you were on Dave Trotter's podcast, which is how I learned about you. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you said, love the whole, not the parts. And it's like, yeah, people can, you know, this can be better or that can be better. But at the end of the day, when the whole thing is okay, and you realize that you have your goods and you have your bads, like everyone does, you you know, one person's might be more observable than the others, but everyone has their issues or their insecurities or points of Mm self-consciousness. You just need to love the whole. And I thought that was such a good way to kind of encapsulate the whole thought. It's just like, you are a human being that's worthy of all the things as long as you see it within yourself. 
Absolutely. And, uh, and that's that, that's the message you share that I just really, really love because it comes from a place where a lot of people wouldn't be able to share it just based on your circumstance. You know, you you are very outspoken and proud and and it's taken a lot of time for you to get there. But I think that's why it's so much more powerful is because you have all this experience behind you that you can then reflect on in sharing that message because that applies to everybody. So thank you so much for that message. Well, thank you. I, I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we are at the end here. And gosh, there is so much that we covered. And I'm really happy we're able to touch on. I think we did so quite quickly. But <laughs> if there's one thing, maybe one to go back to and highlight or just a takeaway from what we talked about throughout this conversation, what's kind of the one thing you want to leave people with? The one thing that I could I could tell you um, about self-acceptance and self-love is remembering, and I've said this many times throughout the interview, is remembering that this isn't mm -hmm. an overnight process. And, and make sure to take the time to sit with you, with yourself. And that's a hard thing to do for a lot of people. Um, oftentimes we have, you know, our cell phones and books and everything and movies, all these things, family to distract us, but learning to take that time to sit quietly and self-reflect and finding out who you truly are and getting in touch with that. That is the first and most important step to truly loving yourself and being able, no matter the circumstances of your life, being able to look in the mirror and say, I accept this person today. And, 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 and being able to identify the things that truly matter that you want to change for yourself, not because of what society says or your boyfriend says, or your family says, or your mm -hmm. job says, but what you say. Because at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, the only person that you, when you're reflecting back on your life, it's going to be, what didn't I do? Right. Regret. And, yep. Right. With that regret and, and taking ownership of that. So all I want to say to people is don't neglect yourself and don't ignore yourself. Get in touch with yourself, meditate and work on the things that you think needs to be worked on. And, and remember that you are a valued um, person as you are today. Gosh, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that, you know, a lot of that reflection and actually the inability to reflect and take that time to yourself is also driven out of fear, I think, of actually seeing what you find. And that's uh, what I was going to say is meditate. Like that is the time to do it. And I know that you have a long history of meditation. So yes. it, it really works, everyone. It really does. I do it. It really um, does. <laughs> it really does. Um, all right, Bex, thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing and being so willing and open to let us kind of inside your shoes for a little bit. And I can't wait until we chat again. But for now, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Wow, what an incredible transformation. From living like a hermit and letting a food addiction dictate her every hour, to sharing openly about her weight and the struggles she experienced so that others can find more confidence within themselves. I am truly inspired and honored that Bex spent the time sharing today. I asked Bex what her charity of preference is and she told me Mental Health America, which is a testament to how her impact spans far beyond the overweight and body confidence community. She doesn't know I'm doing this, but let's support her and donate to the cause. I set up a link where you can easily donate. All you have to do is visit https colon slash slash give.classy.com slash Bex. And again, that is give 
dot classy c l a s s y dot com slash bex b e x i'm hoping to take a more active role in these initiatives and our collective donation is the first step i really appreciate your consideration thanks for listening and i promise i'll see you tomorrow here again on self-improvement daily <laughs>